Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Make it kind. Make it kind. M-I-P. With Massimella Matsumo. Mark Thompson. Make it kind. Get woke. Ladies and gentlemen, pleasure to have in studio with us with his new book. Uh, he is a uh, professor in the Center for Advanced Governmental Studies at Johns Hopkins University. Uh, he's also a senior fellow in the political reform program at New America He's also written The Business of America is Lobbying, uh, published in 2015. It won the 2016 American Political Science Association's Robert A. Dahl Award. And his latest book here with us now, Breaking the Two-Party Doom Loop, The Case for Multi-Party Democracy in America. Lee Drutman joins us here on Make It Plain. Hey, man, how are you? Uh, I'm great. It's great to be with you. Welcome. Glad you are here. Yes. Uh, believe it or not, I talk a great deal about multi-party democracies around the world and what's wrong with us here. So I, I want to say that at the outset. So I'm very excited to talk to you about this this topic. When I see the title Loop, I imagine and I imagine the audience can imagine when you're on your laptop and something's wrong, and you're in this endless loop that you can't get out of. <laughs> is, is that kind of what you want us to visualize when we talk about the, the two-party, hyper-partisan system we have here in this country? Hey, that, that little spinny wheel that says you're yeah. stuck, and the only way out is to restart? That's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah, I can yeah, visualize that. That's a good, that's a good visualization. <laughs> I like that. Um, so, uh, obviously, 
the hottest thing everybody's talking about right now is impeachment. Have you contemplated, let's start there, what that might look like, what this scenario might look like if we actually had a multi-party democracy? Well, if we had a multi-party democracy, uh, I think there would be a lot of folks on the political right who would say uh, I, Donald Trump is impeachable. What, what he has done is impeachable, and my political future doesn't depend on his political survival because there are other parties on the right. The problem is we have a political system where if you're not a Democrat, you're a Republican, and there are a whole lot of folks in Congress who might have when Donald Trump rose, they said, this guy's a clown, this guy's dangerous, this guy's ridiculous, and they didn't want him. Uh, then when he took over the Republican Party, they said, oh, well, that's our party, and there's nowhere else for us to go, so we better better, better learn to live with him. Now they find themselves in, a, in a, I think, a, a very uncomfortable position of having to defend what seems to me undefendable, uh, but they're doing it because their political fate is linked to his political fate because that is the party system that we have. And what exacerbates it even more is that you have the party system with that one party, the Republican Party, actually being practically controlled by a news network. Some of those same people you're talking about, even if they had the courage to say, well, let's do something different, the fear is that Trump and a news network would literally primary them. Well, yeah, and and there's no other there's no other party for them to right, go to, right, right. so they're they're stuck with the Republican Party, and the the uh, news media has, has bifurcated uh, along with the, the parties. So we're in a, we're in a world, and this is this is a, a fundamentally dangerous situation. Is we're in a democracy in which there are two political parties that have two entirely different relationships to basic facts, to, to the truth. And democracy, self-governance, depends on, on some shared sense of fairness, some shared sense of truth, and some way to work out agreement on issues that we disagree with. And we've created a situation where it's impossible to do that because we've split apart into, into two entirely separate epistemologies, into two separate knowledge spaces, and that, that is a, a very dangerous place for a democracy to be. Would you argue, and I think you do in the book, that the, there was some semblance of, of multi-partyism, so to speak, uh, at some point in America, even though you had a two-party system, yeah. there were different factions within those parties, right? Yeah, I think that's important for, for folks to understand is that the, 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 the really radical situation, the real deviation is, is over the last decade when we've had a, a what I consider a genuine two-party system with two parties with no overlap. For a long time, we really had a multi-party system within our two-party system because we had these broad big tent parties that were these overlapping, sometimes incoherent political coalitions. And, you know, for, for a lot of voters, it meant there was, you know, the criticism was not that the parties were too far apart, but that they were too different. And, you know, the difference between Democrats and Republicans and voters didn't have clear choices. But underneath that, what it meant is that you had uh, overlapping coalitions. And, and in our political system that requires broad compromise to, or sh to, to make policy, uh, you were able to get that broad compromise. I'd say for a long period of time, you had uh, you know 
from the mid '60s through the 19, uh, early 1990s, you had something more like a four-party system with liberal Republicans and conservative Democrats alongside liberal Democrats and conservative Republicans, and that that allowed the system to to function reasonably well because you could make different deals on different issues, and not everything was caught up in this zero-sum, totally split-apart party system. Now we have this genuine, truly nationalized two-party system, and it's a disaster. It doesn't work with our political institutions, and it's driving us all crazy. What caused that, Lee? Well, if it to become just literally two parties without the, the really the four, there were at least four, as you would yeah. describe it. That yeah. makes sense. Yeah. I would say four. That would make sense. But what happened? How did it get whittled down into just two extremes? Well, it's it's a long story, and I, I spend two chapters in the book kind of kind of detailing it. But the the short version is that it was a product of of the realignment of the political parties that followed the the, the civil rights revolution of the 1960s and the nationalization of the party system, and it was exacerbated by our our system of winner take all. Uh, single winner plurality elections in which as the the, the uh, national axis of conflict became more about culture and identity, it became harder for liberal Republicans to compete in New England and coastal America. Uh, and you know, similarly, it became harder for, for Democrats to compete in rural and, and uh, rural America in the South. And you know, once a party is down below 40 percent, that party basically says, "Well, I can't win in this in this part of the country because it's a it's a plurality winner system." And so Democrats basically gave up on rural uh, and exurban America, and Republicans basically gave up on urban and coastal America. And the parties shrunk to to their geographic cores, and we we lost a lot of the that pluralism, that that ideological diversity that actually made our political system work. I would say, though. In the Democratic Party, it would seem to me we still have the greatest semblance of a big tent, and, and maybe that's why there's so much. Sometimes there's a lot of turmoil yeah. amongst the Democrats. I mean, you seem to have, um, you know, I would, I've even argued within the Democratic Party, you have a, a party of women, a party of African Americans, a party of LGBTs, and on and on and on. Um, a party of moderate Dems versus a, a party now of socialist, even Democrats. Whereas the Republicans have literally become beholden to one thing, and that's pretty much the preservation of of white male privilege. But, but would you not agree, would you not think that at least the Democratic Party, even though everything is contained with the Democrat, you have a lot of different groups oh, in that? Yeah, well, yeah, I, I do think that, I mean, and, and I would say that there is, although— uh, the Republican Party at the top looks very much like what you describe. I think there is m- more diversity in the Republican Party too. It's just that that those other the other factions right. have been captured by the the Trump faction. Right. Um, so so I think and they it, have no voice and they have no voice. Right. 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 Okay. Uh, because it's you have a, a condition with a two party system in which a plurality of a plurality can rule, which is which is minority rule, which is a very dangerous. Situation. So I, I agree with you that there is diversity within the Democratic Party. There is diversity wi- within the Republican Party as well. But that diversity right now is non-overlapping, uh, and it, it's constrained by a top-down party system in which the, a lot of what we see in and in, in how we we observe and watch politics is is a partisan clash that is is really just about power. Uh, 
often. It's not it, 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 because both parties, and I think particularly uh, the Republican Party, are actually well, to, to I mean, the Democratic Party as well, are trying to quash that diversity within the in the party, unify the party, and the way they unify that party is by. Uh, Reminding everybody of their common enemy. Nothing, nothing unites people like having a common enemy. And the, the challenge of maintaining a, a political party is to to find a way to, to unify the party. So the Democratic Party, although there's incredible diversity within the Democratic Party, and we're seeing that play out in the primary, a lot of folks are saying, look, I, I support Bernie, I support Biden, whatever, but like whoever the Democratic nominee is, the most important thing is to get rid of Trump. And that, and that negative partisanship uh, unifies the Democratic Party in the same way that in the 2016 election, there were a lot of Republicans who said, I don't like Trump, I don't think he's a good man, but I really don't want Hillary Clinton to win. And a lot of it was negative partisanship. And that's a dangerous force in our politics because what it does is it, is it turns – your political opponents into an enemy. It makes it makes them seem more extreme and more dangerous, and you you lose the ability to to listen to the other side, um, and an inability to think in terms of the greater good. So, Absolutely. so obviously, you know what everyone's talking about now is um, Republicans uh, uh, at the beginning of impeachment have been unwilling, uh, really, to yield. When it comes to witnesses and whatnot, right. I mean, you have to be dogmatic and in line and in lockstep with your party. You can't right. really depart from that at all. Right. And, and that's what locks everybody in. Yeah. Well, and, and the reason is because their political fate is tied right. to Donald Trump's political fate, because there is only one right party and one left party. And, you know. There's no there's no space for for other parties. So, you know, if there were space for a different party on the right, I think a lot of folks in Congress would have said, you know, screw Trump, he's terrible. Yeah. You know, I'm going to be a moderate Republican or you know whatever whatever party they might have formed, uh, or I mean, or probably tr- Trump wouldn't have even gotten elected in the first place. Because right. he, I mean, because I mean, Trump. If you think about Donald Trump and you think about the support he got. And, you know, say, well, roughly 40 percent of people in this country are Republican or Republican voting. And Trump was probably the choice of 30 percent of those Republicans. I mean, he, he's a 12 percent party. That's in line with with a lot of the, the populist right parties in Europe. But what was unique about our political system was that being a plurality of a major party, he managed to take over that entire party right. and left folks who were not Democrats with no other place to go but right. into right. alignment with him. And we can't be in denial about the fact that many of those Republicans, as you allude to, uh, weren't Donald Trump supporters and weren't fans in the beginning. He didn't come out and enter the primary with a mandate. Right. And and that's what, to me, makes it even more unique. It, and, and I agree with you, you know, the hyperpartisanship, people falling into singular silos. But he even took it to the next step. You have people with already kind of compartmentalized in one place, and then somebody comes in who they've never really had a relationship before and literally just takes <laughs> the whole thing over. You know, so it's even less of a party but more of a of a personality-driven type of a thing. And it's and you can't tell us. You can, can never convince me that many of these people would like for him to go away. Um, other people have presidential aspirations, obviously, and other political aspirations, but you literally can't do anything 
in a party that is controlled and manipulated by one person. Right. And and he he he's totally benefited from this because he says to people, you know, where else are you going to go? Yeah, there's you know, no way else Are you going to become Democrats? I mean, a lot of folks are just not going to become they Democrats. Really, right. So what, in, what, how would you envision a multi-party democracy in America? How could we build that? And what would it be? Do you, are you suggesting that we go back to there being just two parties, but diversity, uh, liberals and conservatives on both ends of the spectrum in both parties? Or are we literally talking about more political parties in America. What would you prefer? I'm talking about more political parties. My man. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I, I don't think we can go back to, to what we yeah. used to have. And that was, yeah. what, what we used to have was powered by state and local parties being more important than national parties. And, you know, it, it, was, it, was, a, it was a muddle. And, you know, for a long time it was a, a consensus system that was driven by uh, an agreement among power brokers in Washington not to deal with civil rights. I mean, that, that, so uh, I, I don't want to go back to, to that period. I, mm-hmm. I, I want to move forward to a, to a multi-party democracy like most of the advanced industrial democracies in the world. Um, and what it would take to get keyword, there, folks, advanced. Okay, go ahead. Advanced, yes, <laughs> keyword. How advanced uh, are we really? All right, go ahead. I, I'm, I'm not sure. Uh, <laughs> and what it would take is changing the way that we hold elections. Right? I mean, we have a, an antiquated voting system, first right. past the post, which uh, the 1430 innovation of plurality voting, uh, which you know, was the only system in town in in 1787. But since then, mm-hmm. we, we've had a lot of innovation. That's right. Uh, and the the first past the post plurality voting system punishes third and fourth parties because it treats them as spoilers and all the action goes to the top two parties. But there are a lot of systems of proportional representation in use in the world. The system that 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 I like uh, is the system of ranked choice voting with multi-member right. districts. And we're, right. we're, we're New York City now has ranked choice voting for its primaries. Maine has ranked choice voting statewide. It's it's catching on here in the U.S. And this is not a novel idea. They've used it in Australia for right. 100 years. They've used it in Ireland for almost 100 years. And it's a it's a it's a system of voting that gives voters the ability to rank their their preferences, and it it encourages building of of coalitions and you know trying to compete for second and third choices as well. And the proportional version, which combines uh, which is ranked choice voting with multi member districts, would allow space for more political parties to to form, and that's a space for more political innovation for voters to have more choices. And uh, to, to feel like they have a party that represents them. And another thing that I really like about proportional representation is that it's a system in which every vote counts every and every vote, counts, right. every vote matters. We have a very perverse situation in our country where unless you live in a purple state or a swing district, nobody's really working for your vote. Yeah. And you're voting in elections that are lopsided and predetermined from day one. Right. Uh, and... But in a, in a proportional system, doesn't matter. You don't have to live in some. You don't have to move to Iowa in order for your vote to count. Your vote will count equally in New York City. In a proportional representation system, um, that's somewhat analogous to what we see in some parliamentary systems. Whereas yeah. whatever percentage of the vote a party gets gets that percentage that's of right. seats right. in the legislature. That's right? right. That's right. So I mean that's that's this kind of same kind of thing we'd be talking about that, here. Yeah, that's a fair. Although we don't have a parliamentary system, we have a presidentialist system, so it might work. I think people people sometimes 
think of that that you can only have multi-partyism in a in a parliamentary system because most of the examples of parla- of multi-party systems are parliamentary, parliamentary right. systems. But you know, we could have a multi-party Congress. Ultimately, what I'd like to see us having is a two-round or or instant runoff uh, national popular vote for president to support multi-partyism at the presidential level. Yeah, yeah. But that would take a constitutional amendment. So in the book, I, I, I limit myself to things that would not require a constitutional amendment. <laughs> yeah, because uh, because that'd be very very difficult to to get a, yeah. a constitutional amendment. I, I was in South Africa for the first ever elections, and I saw how that was run. People voted for the party. Mm-hmm. They didn't vote for an individual. Now, when you got your ballot, of course, Nelson, the, the party leader's face was on the ballot. Yeah. Very colorful ballot. Nelson Mandela, but you voted yeah. for the African yeah. National Congress. Yeah. And it was the, the number of seats, the percentage of votes that the African National Congress received is like everybody else that determined how many seats they got in parliament. And, and, and whoever got the most seats, that person was their representative in the presidency. That's right. Um, you know, and, and it just seems to me, you're right, what we do now is so antiquated and it's just not helping. Congress literally is not able to do anything anymore. Let me just be yeah. very practical. Yeah, about it. yeah, that's right. It does not function. It that's doesn't right. do anything. Right. It can't get anything through, even the littlest things. It just can't function because of the hyperpartisanship between only two places. That's right. And I mean, and and a lot of that gridlock is a function of having two parties that both think that they're going to be the dominant majority party if only they screw the other party even more yeah and and make the other party seem just corrupt extreme and so there's no incentive to to compromise and make deals like there used to be because the parties are both competing for these narrow majorities and they both represent these totally conflicting visions of the country and they're both pulled apart by representing very geogra- very different geographical cores and even within that m- extreme primary voters yeah um so in order to get people even to the notion of of more parties don't we we first have to there's a culture in this country we kind of have to overcome because a lot of people can only think one way there's only a democratic party there's only a republican party and most this is it's sort of a state by state struggle yeah because there in some states there's even resistance to people forming third parties. Well, both parties conspire to make it very hard for third parties to get on the ballot. Right. Uh, and, you know, they, they prop up the rules. But one of the things that's, that's interesting in looking at the history of polling is, is we now see a record high number of Americans who say we ought to have more than two parties. Two-thirds of Americans in surveys I've done say we ought to have more in than one. two parties. Right, right. So, so – for a long time, people, you know, there's an interesting phenomenon in in public opinion is that people seem to be frustrated with how the political system was working. But then you'd ask people, well, do we have the best system in the world? And people say, yeah, we do. <laughs> uh, do nah. we? We don't do it. No, 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 we absolutely That's kind of mythical. That's kind of mythical. But po- public opinion is catching up with that. And, okay. and, and you now see in polling more and more people saying, yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe we don't have the best system. Maybe, maybe we, ought, we ought to change some things. I mean, we have a very old system, uh, and you know, we. But but we've also updated it over the years. Uh, 
you know, we've had these bouts of, of democracy renewal. We had the progressive era in which we really expanded democratic rights. We had the civil rights era, which was a, a massive expansion of, of democratic rights. So we've done, we've done this in our past. It's, it's not like we're, we've always said, well, just, that's just the way the Constitution is, so you know, we, can't, we can't update our democracy. I mean, that's, that's the great thing about America is that we really believe in this system of democracy and self-governance, and we've, we've updated it, and we've improved it over the years, and I think we can do it again. There's still the, the, the stubbornness, though, of, like, like you said, or you alluded to, you don't want to do anything that requires a constitutional amendment because there's just this stubbornness in America about amending the Constitution and doing things that ought to be pretty automatic. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm all for amending the Constitution uh, it's in, not hard in, it's. in a number of ways, but it, there, it's a very high hurdle. Yeah, yeah. And, it, and in a very polarized time, it, it, it's almost impossible to build that consensus. So one of the things that I, I, I believe will happen if we can break this hyperpartisan doom loop and we can get to a multi-party democracy is that it makes it easier for, for actual supermajorities to form because it's, not, it's no longer you know, one side versus the other side, that everything gets caught in the maw of this hyper-partisan, you know, all-out trench warfare for this elusive majority. But suddenly, you can build these broad coalitions and support a lot of issues where you see 60, 70 percent support for uh, for reform. And I think we would see a, a more of a flourishing of, of people thinking about big constitutional changes in that system. Because the problem is that every, every change you make, I mean, you want to get rid of the Electoral College, well, that helps Democrats and hurts Republicans right now. So Republicans are never going to go for it. But you expand uh, the parties and suddenly it's not, things don't have this, this you know, zero-sum win-loss uh, quality to them. You can right. have more win-win improvements. That's right. right. And not, not just winner-take-all um, in, the, in the plurality system. Um, isn't the case also made by the growing number and influence of voters who describe themselves as independents? Yeah. Who basically are saying, you know, we're not a part of either party. Doesn't that also make the case that, you know, the two parties themselves just aren't enough? You need more diversity. Well, I think that's exactly right. What you're seeing uh, is that depending on the polling, between 40 and 45 percent of Americans say that they are independent. Uh, yeah. Now, now they, they will vote for one of the two major parties because what else, what right. else are yeah. they going to do? Uh, and, you know, they'll tend often vote for them habitually. But by saying I'm an independent, they're saying I don't really think of myself as a Democrat and I don't really think of myself as a Republican. And, and that, is a, that is a call for, for more options. Uh, that's a rejection of the hyperpartisanship. Yeah, yeah. Um, are there? Who are some of the other leaders politically in this movement toward a multi-party democracy? Are there any Democrats or Republicans who are saying, going out front and saying they would not fear doing something like this? Well, there is a bill in Congress, uh, the Fair Representation Act, sponsored by Don Beyer, who's a, a Democratic representative for, from Virginia, which would create multi-member districts with, with ranked choice voting. There are a few co-sponsors of that. So there are at least a few members of Congress who are out there saying, I think a different voting system would be better. I, I, I don't know if they're explicitly uh, saying we ought to have a multi-party democracy, right. but, but in, in effect, that's what it would 
create. But yeah, I think I think it's it's challenging to find political leaders to step out and, and say this because a lot of them have come up in one of the two major parties. Uh, but it, it will take leadership, yeah. I think. You know, it's a you know, all 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 movements have leaders. Yeah, um, and this too. How would this impact the electoral college, or should do you agree that that should just be done away with? I, I agree that should be just done done away with. It's a cockamamie, antiquated institution that that has never worked as intended, and and doesn't even work now as it was yeah. intended. Uh, it makes no sense. Uh, so I think you mentioned ranked choice voting yeah. for the White House. Yeah, that's what I would do. So explain that to our listeners if they, uh, so in case they don't understand what it means. So, so for a national presidential election, I mean, imagine you know what what you might have this year is you might have you know situation where you might have Bernie Sanders running, you might have Joe Biden running, and they would be in potentially in different parties. Maybe you'd have Michael Bloomberg running in a centrist party, and Donald Trump running in a right party, and maybe you'd have another Republican like John Kasich or say. Okay. As, a, as a moderate Republican. Uh, so what you would do is you'd get a ballot and you'd have all those candidates on that ballot and then you'd decide who you like. You'd rank the candidates. You'd rank those, say, five candidates in order one to five and then whoever gets the uh, uh, most the, or then, then you know whoever gets the and you rank them based on the the first choice preferences. So whoever whoever's at the bottom of that list gets eliminated. Then their votes get transferred to whoever their voters preferred second as their backup choice. Right. And eventually somebody gets a majority, and that person is the winner. Now what that system does is it encourages the candidate who builds the the broadest coalition and mm-hmm. gets the most second and third choices. Right. And it's a, a, a campaign that will encourage coalition building, encourage more positive. Uh, you know, compromise-oriented campaigning, and somebody who's really campaigning to be the president of all Americans, not just the president of some Americans. Are there other countries doing that when it comes to the chief executive? Not for the chief executive. I mean, a lot of countries have uh, have a two-round system. I think most Americans might be familiar with the two-round system in France, uh, which is which operates in a somewhat similar way. And you know you you can see a, a system in which somebody like Marine Le Pen can get a second choice enough uh, enough first round support to become to enter the runoff, but then when she gets into the second round, she gets creamed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so there is some built-in accountability. Yeah, there. yeah, yeah. And, and the, the you know then you have the candidate. Typically, the, the in two-round system, the more moderate candidate almost always wins. So um, in terms of, of this movement and people getting involved, uh, is there a place, is there a clearinghouse where you would send people to, to learn more about this and get more involved in, in multi-party democracy building? Yeah, well, I mean, there, there are a number of organizations that are now in this, it, working in this space. Um, Fair Vote is a national organization um, that, that is probably a leading organization on electoral reform. Uh, Represent Us is, is now getting involved, Unite America. So there's more and more organizations uh, in this space, and I think you'll see even more and more groups getting involved. I mean, I really feel like there's been tremendous energy in the last few years towards the electoral reform movement as more and more folks have realized that, oh, there's something wrong with the system. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and you know, I think there was a, a sort of evolution when people, when Donald Trump got elected, people said, "Oh, how could this happen?" <laughs> right, and then people just say, "Well, maybe, maybe he's not so much a, a, a cause of our problems, but a symptom of some deeper right. problems." Right. Right. right, and how could how could so many people vote for him? Well, he was the Republican candidate, and that was 
if you're a Republican, that was really your only choice. Yeah, yeah. No, no better time like the present, folks, to raise this issue, especially with all that's going on. His book, Breaking the Two-Party Doom Loop, The Case for Multi-Party Democracy in America. Check it out if you're not aware of this. Uh, but just look and see what other countries are doing. Yeah. You know, uh, there are, there's more than one. I mean, we talk about, we look at elections in Britain, for example. And I know a lot of focus is on conservative and labor. But they do have other parties, don't they? They with, do have with, other parties, although although Britain is basically a two-party yeah, system, yeah. and they also have first-past-the-post elections. Yeah, 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 um, that's true. Uh, but what we're saying is let's have multi-party. Let's yeah. not have first-past-the-post. Yeah. Let's have more proportional representation. Yeah. I think it would be better for this country, and it would, it would be better for voters. More choices, more representation, and higher turnout, and everyone's vote matters equally. Yeah, yeah. Breaking the two-party doom loop, folks. We got to break it. We got to get out of this. Lee Drutman. Right. Lee, thanks for being here, buddy. Hey, thank you. All thank right, you wonderful for, for for your enthusiastic support of this book. Oh no, absolutely support it. Well, just full disclosure, if if you're not aware, I was a co-founder of the last uh, black political party to have ballot status in the United States. Oh, I did not know that. The, the Umoja Party in Washington D.C. We almost got ballot status, and we got cool. ballot status in D.C. We almost got ballot status in Maryland, Virginia. But that was part of the problem. Because the system is not set up yeah. uh, to allow for other parties to exist. And you're right, the, 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 the main parties don't want that. Um, but, you know, we, we put a little dent in it and last as long as we could. But it's a struggle. That's one of the things that has to be overcome. We have to yeah. open the doors. And we still have these – every state is different. We still have this hodgepodge of state e- election rules, which also hampers voter registration in general. And promotes voter suppression. Yeah. So all of this <laughs> would challenge. I, I don't see any of these as desperate, disparate, I should say. Many people, yeah. will, will, I've had conversations with people, people want to do ranked choice. People want to do instant runoff. People want to do but proportional representation and multi-party democracy. But everybody kind of compartmentalizes themselves. I think that all of them go together in yeah. terms of total electoral democratic reform. Yeah, and, and, and making it easier for people to vote and... And you know, people people will also vote more if they if they feel like their vote matters. That's right. That's right. That's right. Yeah, and it's actually going to go towards something. Yeah. And 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 when you have winner take all, that means somebody's a loser. Yeah. And people feel like they don't get anything. My vote doesn't matter. So that's what Where, we have to deal whereas with. If your vote matters in a proportional way, you know, even if your candidate doesn't win, you still get some representation. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, I think, a, an incredibly important thing. I mean, the, the, we we didn't get into this, but. There, there's a whole literature on how in majoritarian democracies the, the the losers really feel angry. Yeah, and you know in proportional democracies, you know, you know nobody nobody's an all out loser. Right, right, right. Breaking the two party doom loop. Lee Drutman, folks, get the book, read it. Let's get enthusiastic about this. If you're tired of what's going on, this is what we have to do about it. Thank you, Lee. All right, thank you. Thank you for listening to Make It Plain and Get Woke. Remember to listen, like, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcasts. Also, subscribe to Make It Plain and Get Woke daily. Check out makeitplain.com to subscribe. If all minds are clear, it has been Made Plain.
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.